Dear friend, you can grow your personal and business brand by creating a strong network through podcasting. Create real human connections, have the ability to share your story and interesting point of view. To get started, you can make use of the special offer for friends of this podcast, which is on kitcaster.com slash mirror. K-I-T-C-A-S-T-E-R dot C-O-M slash M-I-R. R-R-O-R. The link and further instruction or details will be found in the show notes for this episode. Thank you. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you listen to this on. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Mirror Talk Podcast. Your moment of greatness starts now. Today's guest is referred to as the fear guy, is an alchemist and a coach. He's a life enthusiast and intuitive coach. Welcome to the show, Ben. How are you doing? Nobi, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Um, that's interesting. I haven't heard the life enthusiast thing in a minute, but that is true. <laughs> I do. I'm all about loving life and, like, <laughs> and, and trying to get the best out of it because it's yeah, I, to me, I don't see any other option. So thank you so much for having me. I truly, I appreciate it. And like I told you before we started recording, you are, you're definitely a light and just, and not necessarily just what you do. Like I know this podcast is successful, but just in the way you show up and just like knowing you for five minutes, I can already <laughs> tell that you light so many people up. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I'm truly excited to have you here and I'm Looking forward to learning about fear and all the possible things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. As in, I've been looking forward to this episode actually for for quite a while now. Awesome. So, so thanks for joining me on this episode. And, so welcome. Um, you are known as the, as a fear guy, and um, I would love to know about your fear, your own, your own, sorry, your own journey of fear, mm. and how you came about to become the fear guy. <laughs> Can you share this with me? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it is a good question, right? Because who calls themselves the fear guy, right? I mean, it's yeah. It's kind of how I view it is, one, I don't take it super seriously. Um, I, my mom doesn't call me the fear guy. She still calls me Ben, you know? <laughs> like, but also, it's, it's like an alter ego sometimes, you know, when it's, when you know, like a superhero, sometimes like Superman, Clark Kent type of thing is, yeah. it's, that's how I view it is. But at the same time, it really is me. Like, that's who I am as a human. Um, it's just, it's a it's a hat that I wear. It's an identity that I choose to use at times. And how my own journey with fear is really interesting. And so it's not that I don't feel fear because every human feels fear, but my relationship with fear is different. So I believe and I know that I chose to come to earth for a purpose. And that purpose was specifically for this. That doesn't mean it's not going to stay this. It's not going to change. Like it's it's going to change. It won't be the same forever. Like I'm always being prepared for the next thing. But as a kid, I was definitely um, different. Um, and my upbringing definitely even prepared me for this role. And so what I mean by that is, yes, I still have fear and I still do to this day. Like it's always a, a continual like unlayering and remembering and removing and releasing and leveling up and all those fun things. But 
for me, the first big moment that I had with fear was actually on my 19th birthday or close to it. Um, my friend actually gave me this book. So this book is called The 50th Law. Do you know, have you ever heard of The 48 Laws of Power? Uh, no, not really. So it's a book by Robert Greene. So Robert Greene's a pretty big author, but The 48 Laws of Power has mixed reviews because it's all about power and manipulation and control. Um, and so, but what it does, it takes you through history and it shows you how peop- how power has been used and manipulated and it shows you why and how to do it. But the benefic- the beneficial part of that, right, is to know how it's being used so you know it's, you can be aware of so it's not used against you. Um, but with this book, he did a sequel with the rapper 50 Cent. Oh. And so that's why it's called The 50th Law. Yeah. And so the author, Robert, he just basically studied and talked with 50 Cent and he wrote this much easier to read because um, the other book is like, it's pretty, it's big and pretty difficult, but this one is much easier to read, much more palatable, especially for a 19 year old. And at this time, I was actually beginning my journey in music. So I was in a hip hop group back in the day. And so th- this was my first passion. Like I started my journey. Music was my thing. Like undoubtedly in my mind, I knew that I was going to do it for the rest of my life. And so when my friend gave me this book, what the, the premise of the book is to basically have a fearless mindset. It's, and in the book, I got inspired just from that point on in my life was to do everything that I was afraid of. So at that point, what I was afraid of, right, was asking girls out on dates. I was afraid of me and my friend because we were beginning our music careers. We were afraid of performing. So what we did is we actually went downtown into the city and we would go to random strangers on the street and ask if we could freestyle rap for them. And we would ask them for a topic but we were terrified. Like we weren't good either, but that was the point of it is like, we want to put ourselves basically in the lion's den and feel that fire and like wanting to grow. And so at 19, we actually start, we started this thing that we called fear fighting. Mm -hmm. And that was the big major shift for me where I was like, and then I saw the, I saw the, the benefit from that of, like I'm getting better at performing. I'm getting better at rapping. I'm being, I'm building chemistry with my friend and it just gets easier. Like it feels good. It built my confidence. And I started from that point, I went to, um, you know, doing just like having difficult conversations. Like as soon as I felt fear, I knew that was the thing I needed to do. Hmm. So that was just my guide. And then, you know, fast forward through some university, through corporate life, through relationships, all the fun things, losing money, making money. I came back around to fear and it was at the very beginning of the pandemic, ironically enough, is where I found that fear guy calling because I had a different business model and I had left my nine to five job at this point. Um, That's another fear story too, but it's, it was crazy. Like for, I believe that it, life is happening for me and like I lost all this money and I left my job and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like what am I going to do? Like I was at a point Toby where 
I really did not know what I was going to do. Like I had debt. I had no money. The pandemic had just happened. And I was like, I'm at my mom's. I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> but, but all of those circumstances yeah. were perfect. Like, because they were the perfect mixture to put me in a place of surrender. Mm. So my, like my calling, my purpose, which is working with fear um, and to guide others and to inspire others to work with their own fear, to use it as a compass, to use it as a teacher, um, happened perfectly in that moment. And so I said, yes, I rebranded my business. And from there, so many cool things have happened. But it was, it seemed like a big moment of just switching into the fear guy. But so many life moments had prepared me for that. And then all of a sudden, I just had to say yes. Things changed dramatically. And then I continued to say yes to fear every single day because it's, it's a journey, my man. <laughs> it's a journey. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. And I, I find that very, very inspiring and very informative, actually. And one, one thing that is also going to be very good for you to share is going to be that fear, that fear of, you know, living your nine to five, you know, that security that you had, living yeah. it even at the peak of the pandemic, for example, and, you know, saying yes to the fear of, you know, of, of that and th- saying yes to the possibility of what comes after leaving your job. Can, can, you, yeah. can you share this story? How, how did you overcome that fear? Or how did you go about it? So it was the beginning of 2019. I made this big investment into cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Um, so I invested 40,000 US dollars, um, which is a lot for most people. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, and I, I leveraged debt. So I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to, I just felt good about it. Like, honest, like your financial advisor wouldn't like me. Because I am the person who I make decisions based on my gut and my intuition. Mm. And of course, yeah, like my eyes were big of like, like how much money I could potentially make with it. But for some reason, I just knew that it was the thing I should do. Mm. And so I invested this money. um, And at the exact same time, I accepted a new job. So I was recruited for um, a director, you know, six figure, um, amazing opportunity at this company. And so I said yes to this new job. I took the new job. So, you know, I was going to have stock options. I had savings. I had a 401k. You know, I had, I was single, no family, no dog, no mortgage. So it's like, (laughs) for me, it's like, it was the perfect time to make a big risk. Like in my mind, I was like, I'm ready to make a big investment. Like I've kind of been doing the small things and now I'm ready to go big, like take a big risk. Mm. And so that happened. And then I was actually making money um, doing nothing. Um, and so I started to take some out. I started to reinvest some. And then eventually, like six or seven months later, I was like, why? Like, this is potentially making more money than my nine to five job. Um, and before this other corporate job, I had spent, I think, seven or eight years at the same company. And then at this new job, I was only there seven months which is funny. Um, but I knew that the job wasn't for me because I didn't want to be my boss. Mm. And so like, I, like the, he is a great guy. Like the CEO is a great human, the VP, great human, but I did not want to be them. Like my soul and heart wasn't in it. Like I'm not a lazy person, but it was almost like I had to force myself to be there. It was like, I was showing up late. I was like leaving early, taking long lunches. And it, it was like, it was like, I was almost like repelled from it. 
And it was such an interesting experience. So that's how I knew, right? As like, okay, something's different. This isn't for me. And then fortunately, you know, I was having that passive income. And so someone told me one time is, if, if money didn't matter, what would you do? And I was like, oh, I'd quit easily. Like, like there's no question, right? Yeah. But to the realistic person, it was like, well, you got to have savings. You got to have six months. You got to have a backup plan. And I'm, I'm not like that, but I still felt the fear of it was, it was still just scary. Like there's so much unknown. It's just wild. Like, but similar with that, um, with that investment, like just that big risk, I knew I should do it. I knew that I should leave my job. And it, it was scary. Like it was terrifying, but I knew I just needed to jump. And so I quit my job. Some people, when they quit their jobs, you know, they like shove stuff. Like they have a big quit store. They throw the things off the desk. Yes. They throw things in the air and they're like, <laughs> woohoo, like F the man, screw you, you know? Yeah. And for me, it wasn't like that. It was like a confirmation. It was like, oh, this feels like me. Mm. And so that's how I knew it was like a calm confirmation of, oh, this is me. Like, this is what, this feels like me. Mm. And now it's almost two years later and sometimes, like, it's wild how it's worked out. Like, I've had lots of times, I've, I still, I've had lots of doubt still, right? Of like, how's this going to work? <laughs> <It's> like, <clears throat> but it always does. And it's crazy. So that's how I quit my job. But then when I quit my job, I start, I, that's when I found out that that money I invested I lost the initial investment, so I still had some savings from that, but the initial investment I lost. So that's when I was like, shoot, like I really got to figure some how to make money and not just chill and have fun and travel. Yeah. And then that brought us to the point we already talked about, the pandemic of making the money was one of the best things that happened to me because it allowed me to quit my job. And then losing the money was one of the best things that happened to me because it allowed me to find what I was supposed to do with my life. Yes. And now you, you are living like in a better version of yourself. You have a, you are living the best version of your life then. Yeah. I would just say, yeah, you could say best. I would just say me. Me. I um, mean, yeah. Because yeah. I think everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own path. I don't believe in, I do not believe in telling people to do things like me. Mm. I believe in doing what your heart tells you. Like you have a unique design and purpose and path. So yeah. what does that look like for you? And only you know that. So you mm -hmm. can take inspiration from my story, but it's just doing what is aligned and feels good to your best version or to your highest, you know, self and soul. So yeah. it's, yeah, I'm continually, you know, coming back to what feels good for me and what is right for me. Not just because this is the right thing to do because you see it on social media or whatever you see. Yeah friends do it right um because that stuff doesn't go away that stuff is still there of like oh this is what i'm supposed to do i'm supposed to sell like this i'm supposed to market like this i'm supposed to do courses like this but it's like okay i can still take inspiration from those things but what is like what is natural and organic to me yes i i, I like the fact that you made mention of that like it boils down to you knowing yourself yep. and knowing what you're supposed to do your purpose and how you have to go about it. It's not following Ben's story and saying, I'm doing, going to do exactly what Ben did or, no. or, or whosoever is out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's doing you. Like, like you said, like knowing yourself. Honestly, that's arguably, I think, one of the most important things you can do is just know yourself. 
Yes. But and how you begin to know yourself is make mistakes, you know, and like <laughs> and and find out what you don't like or find out what isn't you. Um and yeah, like it's it's fascinating. But yeah, long story short is yeah, do what is natural and aligned with yourself. Yes. So what what would you say is your definition for fear? Or what's the truth about Ooh. fear from your experience so far? Oh, I like that. That's a good question. So I think like the um, what's like a definition? So I think one of the definitions of fear of like, if you look in the dictionary is like highly unpleasant emotion, um, either real or imaginary. And so it's like, <laughs> right. And that's exactly what yes. it is. It is the, it is a very unpleasant. And to me, I believe that, um, fear is at the root of your suffering. So, um, but fear is also the key to your freedom, Right. Your transformation is on the other side of fear. So I view fear as a compass, as a guide, because what you most fear is usually what you need to do the most. There's a quote by Joseph Campbell of, the cave you fear to enter um, holds the treasure you seek. Mm. And that's, that's what fear is, right? Is it's keeping us controlled and small um, in our not best selves, but that's also what we need to do to become our aligned, organic, best, highest self. So fear, man, dude, it is, it's powerful. Like I believe it is the most controlling. It is the most, people don't realize how much it rules their life in every aspect. Because if you just start paying attention of where am I fearful, you make a lot of decisions out of fear every single day. Right. Even if, why am I not saying the thing fully? Right. Why am I not expressing my truth? Why am I not doing this thing? Um, why am I not posting this? Why am I not investing this? Why am I not taking this action? Um, like there's so like anything that you feel dis-ease or uneasy about, or you feel resistance to the root of that is always fear. I can really relate to that. Like, you know, posting on social media, for example, we always have the fear of how will it be accepted? How will it be seen? Yeah. Or maybe investing in a business, like will I lose this money? And um, what's going to happen to my investment, for example? It's always like big fears that one has to you know, combat or deal with every day. Yeah. yeah, it could be, yeah, like you said, small ones. And there's definitely big ones, right? Like going into a relationship or leaving a relationship or going into a job or leaving a job or new city or new town like or leaving. Like it's it's interesting how... Um, all those things, but like you said, fear, you said fear of being seen. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of people don't. Yeah. It's that's, I mean, it's so fascinating. Like, yeah, there are so many different fears, but really what they come down to is like the fear of not being good enough and the fear of being unlovable. Mm, but how do you deal with that? Like, <laughs> let's, just jump, let's just jump into that already. Yeah. <laughs> how do you deal with the fear of not being seen or not being lovable loved or accepted yeah. as you want to be that's beautiful i mean toby so for you why why did you not want to be seen why did that did i want to be seen yeah i just feel mostly because maybe i'm shy or something like that and i don't want too much attention or necessary attention or something perfect because you don't want to attract attention because why uh, I don't know. <laughs> it makes me feel, you know, it makes me, it makes my, my skin um, crawl and makes me feel <laughs> uncomfortable. And 
<laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah, thank you. And right, I can tell, and it it makes other people feel that way too, right? Of attracting attention means something to you. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm asking those questions, right? Of I'm afraid to be seen. There's there's different stories, right? So it could be that you believe being seen is wrong. So right, of I don't want to attract attention because that means I'm not humble. So that's mm-hmm. something that I have dealt with, right? Is I don't want to make people think that I'm better than them. Mm. Does that ring true to you at all? Yes. Like the, the, the last part, I don't want people to think that I think I'm better than them or something. Yeah. 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 And that's common for people like you and me who were so nice. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> and, and we're so loving. But yeah. the ironic thing, right, is fear is protecting you from the exact thing that you want to do, right? Because fear is protecting you from, okay, I don't want to be seen because I don't want people to think I'm better than them. Mm. But you still want, you still love these people. You still want them to be inspired, right? And so Mm. what happens by you not, like, not owning your power or not stepping into the full vision of you to be seen? Well, yeah, by you not doing that, you don't inspire those people, True, you're right. Right? So yeah. it's the so the fear of being seen. I actually have a podcast about that. That did you see that yet? No, I've not watched, I've not listened to it yet. Perfect. And that will look like it's a uh, it's a it's like a private coaching session. So I mm-hmm. take you through like exactly what to do so that that could help for you and other people. Yes. Um yes. Yeah, but it's so often it's related to like a fear. Um like if you want to relate it to like a fear of rejection. So yeah. I'm afraid of being rejected. So I'm going to reject myself so other people can't. Mm. So you do the exact thing you're trying not to do. Not to do, yes. And you don't get any type of result now, you know? So, mm-hmm. so it's, an interesting, it's an interesting mix of getting to the root of, well, why am I afraid of being seen? It's like, well, because I don't want people to think that they're less than, than me. I don't want them to think that I'm they to think that I'm better than them. Well, is that true that by me putting myself out there that I'm better than them? No, not at all. Like it's not true. If anything, it's look, I feel this fear and I'm stepping into it. So that makes me brave. Um, I'm exercising my courage and then you can do the same thing. And then that will inspire people um, with like within their own life to step up and also be seen. Right. So that's what I mean of, because you want to inspire people, but if you are not seen, you will not inspire people. So that is the choice, right. Of, okay. If I listen to fear, I'm not going to do the thing that I want to do. So how can I learn to, you know, love fear or embrace, uh, you know, all of this fear? How can I do that? Oh, (laughs) I love it. So, (laughs) Just simply, I think the very first step, just like a baby step, Mm. is knowing that fear isn't wrong. So similar to anger, right? We we don't want to feel anger because that thinks it makes us an angry person. Yes. Right. Or I don't want to feel sadness because that makes me I that makes me a sad person. Mm. Which that isn't true either. So if I feel fear that doesn't make me a fearful person or that doesn't make me uh, wrong. It, it makes you a normal functioning human. 
Like every single person, you are designed to feel fear, right? So at a biological level, your brain is always looking for what's wrong. So when people suffer from anxiety, stress, or worry, that's exactly what's happening because your brain is always, always, because we live our lives 95% subconsciously. So your brain is, without you even knowing it, always looking for what's wrong because that's its function, is to protect you from harm. So if you have something good, it's the immediate thought is, how am I going to lose it? Because your brain isn't d- built to be like, okay, well, let's look for good things. It's no. Like this part of your brain back in the early days was, I need to look for threats so I don't die, right? Mm-hmm. It's a survival tool. Yes. But now most of us don't have to deal with, you know, tigers and lions every day, but that part of our brain is still very active. So what it does now is it continues to look for threats, but the threats come in people not liking a photo on social media. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. um, so it's still real. It doesn't make you wrong, but an understanding that it's a normal emotion that you're going to feel, that's step one. And to allow yourself to feel it um, and feel safe feeling it. But mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't safe. It's this weird relationship where if you grew up in a chaotic or stressful environment, fear is going to feel very normal to you. What that means is that has now become your baseline. That has now become your default. So as soon as things start to go well for you, like you experience love, you experience success, you experience peace, that actually feels foreign to you. So your brain um, registers that as a threat because that isn't your normal. So anything out of your default setting is considered a threat to your brain even if it's something very, very good, because that is different. And so different means bad. And so it's trying to protect you from that. But so you just have to practice feeling that, right, of, oh, even good things, this is why I self-sabotage. This is why things don't last for me. This is why I'm always stressed, is because this feels normal to me. So a very just first step is normalizing it's okay to feel it, Um, you know, if you practice meditation or you practice breath work, even just a few deep breaths with yourself, when you feel fear, close your eyes, get centered, tell yourself, tell yourself it's okay to feel it. And then the next step would be, what is this revealing? Yeah. Right. Um, one of my favorite questions to ask is what if fear didn't exist? Because that always leads you to your truth. Right. Um, similar to what I said about the job, like when I left my nine to five job, what if fear didn't exist? Well, I know what I would do. That's my truth. Mm. Right. Um, if I'm in a relationship, what, what would I say? What would I do if fear didn't exist? That's my truth. And it's not a matter of like, well, I would go, um, you know, like say all these mean things and cheat and like on all these women, you know, I was like, that's not your truth. That's still like a shadow. You're still trying to hide. You're still trying to numb something. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people listening, I imagine when you ask the question, what if fear didn't exist? There's somewhere deep down that they know what that is. And it's love because fear is not the opposite of love. Fear is the absence of love. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and fear and love are very tied in. 
So I use an example of, I, of um, like a thermometer. So when you have a therm- thermometer, right, at the top is hot, at the bottom is cold. Let's say love is at the top, you know, hot, and cold is at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're opposites, yes? Yes. They're opposites. However, is there at any point in the thermometer where it's not a degree, right? So even if it's freezing at zero Celsius, Mm -hmm. it's, what if it's one degree Celsius? Would you still say it's cold? I would still say it's cold. What about two? It's cold. You know, so it's like, Mm. but so, so what I'm using is, well, what is hot? What is cold? Same thing with fear and love. Well, what is fear? What is love? It's very clear to see, okay, 100 degrees is really hot and zero degrees is really cold. Yeah. Um, however, is they are still degrees. So why I say that is because op- there's a book called The Kabbalion and it has this quote of, or close to this quote of, um, opposites are um, different in degree, or hold on, opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. So hot and cold are still heat. Yes. Right. So even like if you go into space, for example, um, it's really cold, but the part that the sun shines on, like on a satellite, it's actually really hot. And then the opposite side where there's no sun is really cold. Mm -hmm. So it's the same. It's bringing that metaphor back around of, okay, now I know fear is, uh, is the absence of love and cold is the absence of heat. Mm -hmm. so it's they are it's fear and love come from the same intelligence they come from the same source it doesn't make one better or or wrong or right but when you know that fear is the same intelligence it's the same energy that love is made out of because they're both like to stick with the metaphor it's still a molecule right so if you have ice you still have water molecules like they're closer together yeah. and they're not moving Well, they are moving still. And that's, we could talk about that too, because energy is everything, but right. Those molecules are still moving, but they're close together and frozen versus once they get really hot and gaseous, they're free and moving all over the place. True. Right. And the same thing with fear and love, but it's still a water molecule. It's still two hydrogen and one oxygen. Mm-hmm. So even if it's in the gaseous state or if it's in the frozen state, it's still a water molecule. So that's what I mean is opposites are different and are identical in nature, but different in degree. So it's once you realize that as like, Oh, fear and love are actually really the same thing, just a different expression, just a different, a different degree. You can have a lot more compassion for yourself and then you, you can begin to make new decisions. Yes. So would you say um, love casts out fear, for example? So simply, yes, I think it's more nuanced than that. Um, Mm. But yes, I think you have the choice to choose, you know, love or fear in in every moment. And that Mm. goes back to the question of, well, what if fear didn't exist? Well, I would feel love. However, fear reveals where you don't feel loved. Mm. So that doesn't make fear bad, right? Is it's, Mm. oh, if I want to feel more love, if I want to be more free, if I want to be more successful and fulfilled and feel more me than I ever have, then going to the fear is where I should look. Yes, you're right. You're right. 
So this, my next question is actually inspired by um, one episode of yours from your podcast. I've not mentioned it. It's, feeling, it's called Feeling Free. Mm-hmm. It's Ben Aris. It's available on all video mm-hmm. platforms. I was listening to it, but it has to do with, you know, a little bit of meditation. So I said, okay, I'm going to listen to it later when, you know, I am going to have a, a lot of time to, you know, listen to each second of the episode. Mm. Yes. So it talks about, you know, speaking to fear. So this, this, that's the question. Um, are there ways we could, you know, speak to different kinds of fear that we experience? And how can we overcome this fear or how can we even use this fear to our own advantage? That's cool. So you said you have, so you have listened to it or you're listening to it later? I was listening to it and I, it came to a part where you have to, you know, like, you know, do some work, like some uh, like, okay, dating. Okay. So I, I paused it and said, okay, later I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's a similar question of what I asked of like, what if fear didn't exist? Or you can even just ask fear, what are you trying to show me? Mm. Or why don't I feel loved? Or why don't I feel enough? Or a fun question I like to ask is, what would I believe? Or like, what do I want to believe? Mm. Because you can choose what you want to believe at every second, at any moment of the day. So it's when you speak to fear, it's, it, I believe fear reveals where you're not free. Fear reveals, where, like I said earlier, where you don't feel loved. And so using that as a guide, as a compass, speaking to it, because um, I believe that fear is an energy and fear has a consciousness. So when you speak to it and you listen to it, um, it's doing the best that it, it's doing all it knows how to do. And so when you can speak to fear, I also have a, an episode with Shaman Durek. That's a really helpful for people if they want to dive into like the energy and the frequency and the spirituality of fear. Um, but that's really what speaking fear, speaking to fear is, is just listening. Because most people don't want to listen to it because it freaks them out too much. They just avoid it and they hide it and they don't, they get far as way, far away as possible from it. So yeah. speaking to it is just simply just listening. Like, what is this trying to show me? Okay, so once you, once you recognize this kind of fear in your life, you're going to maybe take some time to sit down with it and, you know, speak to it and try to find out what it's trying to teach you or yeah, show you. Yeah, exactly. It's, mm-hmm. it's that simple. Yes, yes. And are there like some, you know, meditation one could do to that or some breath work or whatever to, you know, really dig deep into that, you know, um, into that fear or that realm of, you know, really being able to concentrate on the fear or speak to the fear. So if, you, if they want to go deeper? Yeah. So and, and I like it. So yeah, like, if you want to go deeper, I would begin journaling and keeping track of every negative thought that you have. Mm. Of every time you feel fear, of every time you doubt yourself, every time you don't feel enough, anytime you want to hide, I would start to track all those things. Just do it for three days or seven days and you will begin to notice a trend of, oh, this is where I feel fear. And then you can go into those things and do those things that we just talked about of, well, why do I feel fear here? And then you can just ask the question like, okay, if I feel a lot of fear around my job, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm worried about doing a good job because I don't want to be fired, well, have I ever been fired? No. Then, okay, why am I worried? Have I ever Mm -hmm. been fired? If the answer is yes, well, Am I doing better than I ever have before? Um, am I getting... It's just, it's just getting to the truth of it. So Tim Ferriss, he has a good um, 
he wrote the four hour work week, oh, okay. but he has this exercise. It's a Ted talk and it's called fear setting. So if people want uh, another deep dive into fear, <clears throat> um, it's instead of setting goals, he believes in setting your fear basically. So you identify what you, your fear is, and then you look at it, okay, well, what can I prevent this from happening? And then if it does happen, how can I repair it? So it's just a really simple um, reframe of fear as well. Is there a way that one could, you know, gain like total freedom from fear? So I think it's an, a yes and no. Mm. I think yes, because that's what I want to believe. <laughs> so <laughs> it's... Um, because I think that we have all experienced that, right? I think even if it's just for a moment, I think we can think back to a time where we really did not experience fear. It was just pure bliss and love and excitement and the freedom. Hmm. So that feeling does exist um, because we felt it. And the fact that we're even talking about it makes it possible. Like the fact that we're just asking the question means like it's possible because we wouldn't be able to even know that the question was possible if it was impossible. True. And so I think it is true, but I like the first thing that I tell clients is fear doesn't disappear because part of our human brain, like we talked about earlier is always looking for things to protect us from and to predict our future. Yeah. And so I think like ascending in consciousness you know, or maybe when we die, right? We're not going to feel it exactly. Yeah. Um, but we can practice um, not feeling it as heavy and not feeling it as controlling and overwhelming as it is and just mm. see it for what it's trying to do of like, okay, you're just trying to protect me. No, I'm not going to lose my job. No, I'm not going to lose my house. No, I'm not. This doesn't mean I'm unlovable. No, this doesn't mean... I'm like better than someone else. No, that doesn't mean like all these things that it's telling you, it's trying to protect you from because it's, it's individual, right? Like everyone has a story or has trauma or has experiences of that reason. And there's this quote I like, um, his name's Peter Crone. He says, past hurt informs future fear. Hmm. And that's, that, that's exactly what happens, right? Is okay. I got hurt at this point. So, yeah. so the now me is trying to protect me from experiencing that hurt again. Mm. But that's not happening right now. So it's actually kind of crazy that I'm living my life on right now for something that is no longer even real. That it's, it's no longer happened. It's not happening. So why am I afraid of it? Yeah. So it's just, it's just going into that of like, that's so interesting. Of like, I'm afraid of something that technically doesn't exist, but it feels very real. Hmm. And that's what fear does to one. Yes. Yep. It, makes you, yeah. it paralyzes but, you. Yeah, that's true. But, but still, it has some crucial importance, right? Like, you know, trying to protect you or other importance that it, it has for us. Yeah, like, yeah, it's good. I mean, thankfully for fear, like, I'm not going to go um, jump off a cliff or touch a hot stove. Mm. So it still, like, does, it does basic biological human protection. Yeah. But there's yeah. obviously there's a deeper layer to fear, like the energy and the spiritual side of it, where it's mm -hmm. it's very unhelpful. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. No, earlier when you were um, sharing your story, you talked about, you know, you quitting your job to start um, your, your your business, for example. Mm -hmm. 
and you know, you know, taking, you know, investing into cryptocurrency, for example, and all that. So in the, in this world, I know I've noticed in the little time I've spent on it right now, um, <laughs> I've noticed that you know things are you know very fast and you know dynamic, you know. So how can how can we you know let go of that fear of you know not catching up or not you know meeting up with our you know the, with the high demands of this world, and how can we embrace new beginnings, for example? How can we even look forward or be excited mm. about trying out new things, going to new places and experiencing new things. I like that. So asking, like, I'll ask you, like, when you feel like, why are you nervous about letting old things go? Or like, why are you nervous about leaving now? Right. And why do you fear new, exciting things? Mm. Um, I fear that because um, I would say, now, now is certain. I I know what is I know what is happening right now. I feel comfortable with what is happening right now. I'm I'm certain. I'm, I have the security of what is happening right now. And then uh, you know, trying out new things for me will be like, yeah, throwing me into the deep blues, for example, into the deep water. I don't know what is what is waiting ahead of me. And um, yeah, it's not just sure. So that security is missing. Yeah, right. Like you're exactly right. Is like you don't have that security. Mm. Um, but. I, I really like this question, so thank you for asking because it's, and I think this, this will help you and other people, right, is so the security of the unknown isn't there, right, like, or of the unknown is like, I don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. However, Toby, like, has, has the quote-unquote current your, whatever your living as right or everyone else listening the current thing that you think is stable that you think is secure has that mm-hmm. feature happened yet no no so the ironic thing right is you're still afraid of something that hasn't happened yeah for both true exactly so the ironic thing is when people tell us to be realistic is they're actually being delusional too and they are being unrealistic. Because if someone says, okay, Ben, Toby, like you need to be realistic, stay in your job. This is never going to work. Um, don't leave. It's too risky. It's, you don't know what's going to happen. Something bad could happen. Who knows? Yeah. You could lose all your money and look like a failure. Like, okay, yes, that is a possibility. However, the thing that you're telling me to be realistic about has not happened. And the future that I think sounds really cool has also not, ha- not happened. Mm. So when someone tells me to be realistic, I laugh because they are also being unrealistic. So True. like, does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Yes. Like we're both delusional where we <laughs> both believe in something that hasn't happened. Yeah. So it's ironic, right? Is we're, we both parties are exercising faith. Because someone says, be realistic and plan for the worst. Mm. That worst case scenario hasn't happened. So they are choosing to put their faith in something that hasn't happened. Mm. And you can also put your faith into something that hasn't happened. But which future do you want to focus on creating? That's true. But sometimes people think the, the current situation is very familiar. Yep. You, know, it's, you, you know about it. And from this point of view, you could project into the future to you know, determine what could happen. But then mm-hmm. if you switch lane or if you, you know, embrace something new, you don't know what you are getting yourself into and you don't know how to project into the future that way. 
And you know, this fear, this fear of, you know, the uncertainty is always like, yeah, very, very, very huge. Yeah, it's very big, right? But the same thing is like, yeah, you could project into the future, but it still hasn't happened. You can True. project all your want, all you want. Stock market crashes happen. Bitcoin prices mm. happen. People die. Um, war has happened. Like, unfortunately, you know, car crashes happen. Shootings happen. Like, all these things that are unfortunate mm-hmm. is, yeah, they're less likely to happen because we can look at the data and say, okay, well, this is maybe least like less likely to happen. But the bottom line is yes or no, has it happened? No, it hasn't happened yet. Okay. Well, what future it may not be quote unquote less likely, but um, there's a part of your brain called the reticular activating system. So your brain looks for what is familiar. And so if I choose to believe that this is a possible future, then my brain automatically starts to look for it. Like, have you ever bought a new car before? Uh, no. Not, not do, you, do you own a car at all? No, I don't own a car. Do you have a dream car? Yes, I do. What is it? Oh, it's going to be... I, I actually have a lot of dream cars, actually, but it's going to be a Mercedes EQ, like one of these electric new things. Cool. So you probably see a lot of... Mer- I mean, I know you're in Germany, but you probably... Yeah. So you'd see more than me. But you see a lot of, I imagine you see a lot of those cars or similar cars on the street driving, right? Yes. Do, do they catch your attention and do you look at it? Of course, yes. Perfect. So because that is your dream, you're, the part of your brain is now looking for that familiar thing because you've chosen to believe that this is what I'm going to have one day. Mm. So you're, it's, it's just a pattern recognition system. You could get as spiritual or woo as you want, or you can just stick to the psychological point of it. Your brain is looking for what to recognize those patterns to confirm that you are correct. Mm-hmm. So because your brain doesn't want to be wrong, it, the ego does not like that. The ego doesn't like being wrong. And that's part of the familiarity, right? Of the ego protecting you and staying in the familiar place. Um, so that could, you could flip um, like the worst case scenario of like, this is more familiar. If you, I'm using this real life example because you, you are seeing Mercedes and, pe- and other people, as soon as you decide, oh, this is the new car I'm going to get, you start seeing those everywhere. Mm. But those cars have always been there. True. Yeah. So it's just turning on the part of your brain of, I am now going to recognize this. And that's part of your subconscious, right? Of because now you believe you've turned on a switch of Mercedes are important to me. So it's just, it's your subconscious is always scanning. Oh, that's important. So now I see it. Mm. But if you decided to find Toyotas, you'd probably start to see those too. Yes. yes. You know, it happens, it happens to me with Teslas also when I see Teslas on the streets. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, yeah. but how many Toyotas have you not seen because they're not important to you? Oh, so many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, true. Ah, okay, oh, that's, that's good. So can you, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about fear and um, I was, there's one question that is important to me because I'm, I'm a guy mm-hmm. and that's, that is with, you know, the um, men's vulnerability and emotions. Can, can we connect this with mm. fear also? And how do we, you know, express our emotions without, you know, having the fear of it's being taken the wrong way how can, we be, how can we be vulnerable and, um, you know, let's go of the fear of being vulnerable. Man, you ask good questions. I appreciate you so much. And 
this is something that I'm still, you know, always discovering and leaning into because so for me, I grew up with a lot of women around me, a lot of feminine energy. So I've been soft, quote unquote, I've been sweet, I've been sensitive. And I thought for someone like me, I thought I was pretty good with emotions and I've realized, wow, I'm actually not that good at them. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, I don't think it doesn't matter who you are. A lot of men, it doesn't matter if you're the tough masculine guy or if you think you are in touch with your emotions, there's a lot of fear with it. And so it's, so if you're like the typical man who has a fear of emotions because you don't want to look weak, that's one. Or speaking from personal experience, um, what I mentioned earlier is like, I don't want to feel sadness because that means I'm a sad person or that means I'm doing something wrong. That means I'm not being positive enough. So that's what my identity was built on is being super positive. So if I'm not positive, then I get the feeling that I'm not doing enough. So it could be a mix of things, right? But in either case scenario, it's okay. Well, one, you're not your emotions. So Mm. feeling an emotion does not, if I'm angry for 10 minutes out of a day, does that make me an angry person? That's less than 1% of my day. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like, no, that doesn't make me an angry person. And for the person who is afraid to feel emotions, like they think that they're weak or um, whatnot, this is the ironic thing about fear. And you'll see there's a lot of irony with fear is I've seen this with men sometimes, right? Of I don't want to feel emotions because, you know, that's feminine or it's womanly or it's weak or um, I'm not strong enough, so many different things. But the ironic thing is choosing to not feel emotions is because why? Because you, you, you fear, um, you know, you fear what other people would think about you, actually. Yeah, you are making an emotional decision. Ah, yes. <laughs> true, true, true. Right? True. So isn't that ironic? Yeah. Like, That's, yeah, you're right. Because yes, like, I don't want to feel weak. So I make a decision mm. to shut off my emotions, but you're still making an emotional decision. So you're doing the exact thing that you're trying not to do. True. And what happens, right, is now that I'm shut off and I'm not communicating, that hurts my job, that hurts my relationship, that hurts my connection with my God or spirit or whatever. Mm. Um, it hurts my relationship with money and success because now I'm not in touch with like intuition. I'm not in touch with those gut feelings that, you know, those ideas, like that's where emotions come from is so being in touch with that. It's, it's create, it's creativity. It's not just like, I don't want to feel these emotions. It's no, it also increases your amount of joy and even peace instead of just being a robot. So shutting down and not feeling emotions is one making an, making an emotional decision ironically and then it's um making your your life more in, or less enjoyable and it's i actually look at this in an interesting way because men typ- typically tend to be more logical and so i think about it in a logical way is feeling my emotions going to be more be- more helpful or less helpful what would you say? It's, it's going to be more helpful. Boom. More helpful so I just look at it like binary. Mm-hmm. So feeling my emotions is more helpful to me. Yes. And so I feel it. That's a logical decision. 
And so now I'm like, it's the smart thing to do. It's not just to do it because that's the right thing. Like, yes, I am. I consider myself a good person. So I'm going to do it because I know it's the right thing to do. But also for people who are doubt, it's also the smart thing to do. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you say, let's go off the fear, feel your emotion, be vulnerable. No matter if you're a guy or a lady, just... Yes, express yourself. Yeah, I mean, you're lying to yourself, you know? Yeah, be aligned to yourself. If you're not feeling it, you, there's some, like, it even makes you sick. I mean, that's part of the, the logic behind it, too, of there's evidence that you shutting down and keeping your emotions inside of you is making you sick. Like, it's making you physically ill. Yeah. So that's, that's, on, that's like, I believe that's what cancer comes from. That's what, like, chronic stress, like, gut issues, heart mm-hmm. issues. In America, heart disease is, like, the number one killer. Like, so all these things are all stress-based because we keep emotions inside. We eat terrible food. We make all fear-based decisions. Um, I mean, so many other reasons, too. But it's, yeah, if you're just able to express your emotions and how you feel. And I'm not saying, like, I'm perfect at this. Like, I do this with with my partner. Like, she... Um, I've just started to really like just say how I feel and that's it Mm. because Mm. part of my identity is I want to, I want to look like I have it all figured out. Uh, So if I express like I'm frustrated, then that Mm -hmm. reveals that I do not have it figured out. Exactly. But if I continue to feel that and I store that, I'm not, like I'm never going to have it quote unquote figured out because I'm going to get frustrated over and over again. Mm. So if I want to let that emotion like go and not let it have control over me, then I need to feel it. And then like, cause it passes, like it's not a forever feeling like it. It's like a, it's like a river, right? Like it just keeps moving. Like if I put a leaf in the river, mm-hmm. it just keeps passing by. But if I put a dam, that leaf is just going to keep spinning in the water right there. Yes. That's the same thing with your emotions. It's like it's literally energy in motion is an emotion. So you have to let it just pass and go through you. But if you resist it and try and block it, it stays longer and it stays stuck. Stuck. So you're telling us not to bottle up our emotions, let it flow like energy. Yeah, flow, baby. (laughs) <laughs> that's great so you know you are you are you know a fear alchemist um intuitive guide a lot of things actually that <laughs> good good yeah. and wonderful things so what's the best way to get across to you to get in contact with you to work with you i know you have you have some courses you have some freebies you have yeah. some manuscript that one could download on your website i'll place all this link in the show notes for this episode so you know copy or click on the link to to get across to you but um, can you tell us about your courses and about mm-hmm. what people can, you know, get from you to in, in order to become, you know, free from their, you know, fear of whatever they have or in order to live their purpose or in order to become, you know, a, a better version. Not to become themselves, not a better version of themselves, but to become themselves. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So thank you, brother. Yeah. And so there's, there's tons of freebies, right? So like the podcast, Feeling Free, has mm. so much stuff on there. Like, really, it's, I feel like it's a freaking university on there. But, uh, and then, yeah, there's meditation, there's a guide. So there's free stuff on the website you can get. And then, yeah, if you want to work with me. But actually, I like, 
when you said that it actually sounded like walk with me, which I even like better, like, because that's how I view it. I view that I'm walking yeah. with you. I don't yes. believe that you need to be fixed. That's the biggest thing when people come to work with me is like, I don't believe that I'm fixing you. I believe that we are just activating and remember what is already inside of you mm. because fear and trauma and victimhood and all these lies, the programming conditioning, that is not who you are. So, right, going back to like what we said about being the best version of ourselves, yes, but also just more remembering and unlearning to become who we already are. So that's the ironic thing about it is, so that's what I believe, like, so you can work with me in a mentorship setting if you feel called to, like I do um, breakthrough sessions. If you're in the U.S., I do retreats. My next retreat is in October. Um, or if the world is open, you could travel. Um like when we did one right before the pandemic happened, it was in San Diego, California and someone flew out from Sweden, which was super cool. Um, that was like a big honor to me. And the crazy thing is she decided five days before (laughs) it was crazy. She decided five days before that she was going to fly out and come. I'm like, all right, well let's freaking do it. And so (laughs) yeah, like, um, yeah, just like whenever you're ready, I mean, you know, um, you know, and I just, I offer and invite you to trust that feeling and lean into that fear. Cause usually when you feel really excited and you feel terrified, that's a good mm-hmm. knowing like, okay, this is for me, whether it's working mm-hmm. with me or anything else, right. Following the intuition of I'm excited because like, I feel light and I feel energized because of like, I feel what, who I am and what I can be without fear, but also mm-hmm. I'm terrified because fear is trying to protect you right in the, in the known and in the familiar. So it's totally normal to be excited and terrified. Terrified. Wow. That's awesome. So is, is there like a closing remark you would love to give me or the listeners <laughs> out there? <laughs> I, I, I've learned a lot from you already mm. in regards to fear, vulnerability and everything. But is there still something deep down in that well of wisdom of yours? Like, <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Um, there was something when I was speaking, like, I think five minutes ago, I forgot what it was, but the, the biggest thing that like, yeah, I feel called to share is it's similar to what I just said of like, you don't need to be fixed. Like really like nothing is wrong with you. Um, a couple weeks ago I had a retreat and someone had a belief of, because she has been, she was, she had been clinically depressed for five years, you know? on antidepressants, going through therapy, all the things. And that had become her identity so much that we figured out in the retreat that she had a belief that if I'm no longer suffering, then people will no longer love me. Hmm. Because, right, suffering and depression has now become her normal. Hmm. And her family and society is treating her differently and showing her love because she's depressed. And so this is why we get stuck in depression, in victimhood, in whatever you want to call it, and just unhelpful thoughts and behaviors is because we subconsciously are being motivated to stay in that behavior. And so she figured out in just three days compared to five days of therapy or five years of therapy and then three days in the retreat is that, okay, like, I have not like, yes, I've been wanting to not be depressed anymore, 
But subconsciously, I had this belief and this fear that if I wasn't depressed anymore, then I wasn't going to be loved. And Mm so bringing that in of, yes, you have so many different layers that you probably don't know about, but tying that into there's nothing wrong with you for that either. Like you are incentivized how your brain works, how society works. It's nothing is wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with society. Nothing is wrong with whoever, because everyone is doing the best that they can. But now that you have this new information, you can make a new choice. You can build a new life. You can remember who you are. And so that's what I would offer is just remember who you are and nothing's wrong with you. That, that's a very wonderful closing remark. Just remember who you are and there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Ben. I really appreciate everything I've been able to learn from you today. Delby, I'm really glad. I appreciate you, brother. Like, for real, thank you for asking such great questions and being light and being a mirror for both of us. <laughs> thank you so much. You, you're also a wonderful source of light also. Thank I you. I can see that. I can feel it. <laughs> wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.